Today's episode of the Film State Show is brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Classic, the classic movie review spinoff of the Film Stage show. I, of course, am your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Hello. Bill Graham. Bill Graham. <laughs> Bill Graham, you are muted. I can see it on Skype. I know. There we go. Okay, sorry. I don't know why it wasn't clicking on. It's just like... <laughs> it, it didn't want to unmute itself. So, hello! <laughs> Fantastic. Off to a rockin' start. We also have with us Jordan Searles. Hey! Welcome back. Glad to be back. You don't have to say that just for our benefit, but it's so nice <laughs> of you to say it anyway. <laughs> oh, man. And, of course, we have you back because uh, the last time you were on when we were talking about Nightingale, uh, you were talking about your podcast, wherein you talk about uh, romance films. <laughs> yes, I do. We're here today to talk about a film. It's all about that bad romance. It's uh, oh, yes. Pedro Almodovar's... That wasn't bad. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. What? what? I, I'm good at this. I've been doing this for like five years. Every once in a while, like, I capture a good uh, segue type thing. We're going to talk about Time Me Up, Time Me Down, exclamation points, uh, with Pe- uh, written and directed by Pedro Almodovar. Uh, this movie stars Antonio Banderas. It's from 1980. Yeah, 1989. Uh, it's going to be a great show. Looking forward to it. The usual stuff before we get into that. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. You can go to patreon.com slash The Film Stage Show to give us your money. For as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our super cool Slack channel. If you ever have an interesting classic that you would like us to cover, email us, podcastthefilmstage.com, and we'll be more than happy to do that for you. Possibly seven months after you ask. But it'll happen. <laughs> I mean, we just lost so many listeners, obviously, with our uh, incisive opinions about the Joker. So uh, well, we're going to have to get those listeners back in some way. <laughs> right. With classic episodes. <laughs> wait, wait. What, what happened with the Joker? Oh, were people upset with you about what you had to say about Joker? Which I have no idea what you have to say about it. I wrote about it and then I promptly forgot about the movie or tried to. Uh, we, I mean, we were generally not positive. Ah, yes. <laughs> and, um, and then- there are people who took exception to that. <laughs> oh, well, you know, there are people with bad taste everywhere. It's true. It's exactly true. Um, yeah, uh, Jordan Raup, our benevolent Lord and Master, who's been quite busy, um, with the New York Film Festival, decided to finally retweet one of my, uh, my tweets about the podcast, uh, late last night. And I was like, oh my God. Why is my Twitter exploding? I'm just trying to eat some ice cream. Why? And it, it's become one of my more quote unquote popular tweets. Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, in order to get people back after we may have alienated some people with our opinions on the terrible Joker movie, we're here to talk about Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, a movie constantly at the forefront of the popular culture. Um, yeah. 
and maybe actually controversial potentially as well. Right. Oh I mean, we God. we spent a lot of time talking about how like plain and safe and dumb the Joker was. And this movie and actually is uh, a little bit controversial. There's <laughs> yeah. uh, lawsuits about it. We'll talk about it, of course. Before we do, let me remind everyone that we are brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema. Every day, Mubi's curators bring you a brand new film to watch and enjoy. You have 30 days to check out each film, so that's a constantly rotating selection of 30 films. There's some great stuff on there. Uh, every time October rolls around, you can be sure that they're going to have some great, great things. For instance, did you know that Mubi is calling October Dario Argento's Bloody October? That's why last week we talked about The Cat of Nine Tales, and this week we get to talk about Inferno, 1980 film from Dario Argento. Synopsis is as follows. Riddled with horrid suspension. uh, I've already fucked this up. Riddled with (laughs) horrid suspicion. The young American poet Rose Elliott writes to her brother and musicology student in Rome, Mark, about the startling findings in the dark and dank basement of her New York Art Deco apartment building. Where do the long and shadowy corridors of Rose's building lead? How can you not want to see this movie? It's by Dario Argento, who did Suspiria, who we talked about on our Suspiria episode. Classic and new. It's part of the trilogy with Suspiria, I think, as well. Part of the Three Mothers trilogy. Yep. so we can look forward to luca guadagnino making this movie in a couple years and it being long and bad (laughs) anyway very fucking long an hour and a half movie turned into three hours what the fuck but through the magic of technology he will be able to have tilda swinton play every character (laughs) it's gonna be great oh boy um yeah, so what are we talking about? Mubi, M-U-B-I dot com slash film stage for a free 30-day trial. Again, that is M-U-B-I dot com slash film stage. And now it's time for us to talk about Time Me Up, Time Me Down. Because this is a classic episode, I'll remind everyone at home that we do not have a spoiler section. This is full spoilers from top to bottom, front to back, all the way around. So if you haven't seen this movie and you want to maintain the mystery as you watch it, it is readily available on a number of streaming of platforms. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. <laughs> For shouting that at our listeners. <laughs> it's readily available on a number of streaming platforms. Amazon Prime, iTunes, all that. You can watch it in HD for only four bucks. So uh, check it out. Now let's talk about it. Jordan Cyril's you are our guest. You have a podcast that's all about quote unquote bad romance. What did you think of Time Me Up, Time Me Down? And also, was this your first time watching it? Um. Well, I watched it whenever there was you know that there's that part in the criterion channel where they're just like this is gonna be gone in 30 days or whatever Mm -hmm. so whenever that was this year (laughs) i think i think before tiff i just sat down and watched like six of his movies and i watched tie me up tie me down twice so i've seen it twice this year (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Michael, when when we ended up choosing, I brought this up as an Antonio Banderas kind of thing. Um, because, uh, because of, of Pride uh, and pa- Glory. Yeah, Pain and Glory? Pride or, and Glory. Or Pain and Glory. Jeez, Pride and yeah. Glory is a bad cop movie. I was about pain to say, glory. it's. <laughs> I keep seeing Pain and Glory and thinking that we're talking about the uh, Michael Bay movie again. <laughs> oh, no, Pain and Gain? Yeah, baby. No. Uh, 
Anyways, uh, but yeah, I brought this up as a possibility because of uh, Pain and Glory, and I just kind of wanted to see some of Antonio's like early works with uh, Almodovar, and <laughs> Michael was like, shit, guys, we should have done this like two or three weeks ago because all of his shit was on there. <laughs> we were just like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there was also um, an Antonio Banderas retrospective at um quad cinema in in new york but i i missed it but i do think that i willed it into existence because a week before i was tweeting about how antonio banderas might be one of the sexiest film stars of all time and i was talking about his lips and his arms and everything and then all of a sudden there was a whole retrospective please tell me assassins was playing I actually don't know. I but I knew I found out that it was happening because everybody was tweeting about seeing interview with the vampire for the first time, which offended me because I was like, How did you wait (laughs) this long to go see it in you had to go see it like at the movie theater? You have it I have it on VHS and DVD. That's one of those movies that uh, like I had a friend in college who was like, I've never seen Die Hard, and I like stopped whatever I was doing and screamed, That's impossible. People see Die Hard on accident three times a year. <laughs> it was in the middle of class, no less. I just, yeah, I just could not, I could not imagine not having seen Interview with the Vampire. But um, in terms of Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, it's really funny because I decided to watch it because I looked at some of the letterbox reviews of it of people that didn't like it. And I was like, why do they feel this way? <laughs> uh, so... Uh, the first time I was like, what the fuck was this? And then the second time I was showing it to a friend and I realized this movie is amazing. I mean, in terms of like, if we're talking about whether or not it's a good or a bad romance. Oh, it, it's, it doesn't make any sense. It's a bad romance, but <laughs> there's something so compelling about a plan this stupid and it working. <laughs> <laughs> And I, uh, <laughs> I think it. I think it's just because I think if it was anyone other than Antonio Banderas, this story would not work. <laughs> yeah this this isn't like a um I don't know like every I don't know what's wrong with me. Every time I want to go for like a psychologically complex like realist drama, I almost always say Manchester by the Sea. <laughs> I've still never seen that. Oh, I love it. It's a great movie. Um, but like, yeah, this isn't like a Manchester by the Sea esque movie where it's like, oh, all the realism and you know the psychological truth of these characters. Like, this is a candy colored farce, I guess. I yeah, it's it's almost hard to talk about the tone of this movie. But when you say like it's a terrible plan and the only way it makes sense is because it's Antonio Banderas, like yeah, that's kind of the magic of this movie is just the fact that you're like, I don't know if I buy this, but uh. If I were going to try to run down the plot, it's guy fucks his way out of a mental institution. Like, he's just like, I guess he's like fucking the woman who runs it. And she just like releases him, even though it's clear that he's not better. And then he like apparently had a former tryst with this this movie star. And so he just like rolls up on her on set. And, like, tries to impress her by, if I remember correctly, doing, like, a handstand. What that does he do? That is true, yeah. <laughs> In that wonderful way. <laughs> In that 
that well, yes, that amazing wig. Basic looks like the same wig that he wore for interview with the vampire. <laughs> like honestly. And he just and I guess like that doesn't get the desired effect, which I'm not sure what the desired effect to that would be. And he kidnaps her and like keeps her in this apartment until she falls in love with him and then she actually does somehow hold on hold on so i have a theory that the handstand was related to their sexcapade earlier and so he was trying to do that to maybe like recall her memory oh that's possible (laughs) i don't know i just made that up but yeah i I like that idea okay (laughs) i don't know when a handstand in sex would be appropriate um well, that's but why I- we—that's why we're all here. The next hour and a half, <laughs> it's just going to be talking about what do you think a handstand during sex would be appropriate for play? I mean, because like I'm just trying to think about like what she would be doing. Like, unless like I don't know, like if he just likes getting like his dick sucked that way. Like if he's like doing the handstand and then she was up there and then she is sucking. Is is it okay for me to say any of this? <laughs> yeah, this this is an explicit podcast. We curse yeah. all the time, so that's if we fine. just want to have a full throated pornographic conversation about. <laughs> It was just the logistics we've of had it. Wor- we've had worse on Did Pixar you say movies. full-throated, by the way, Brian? <laughs> yes, I did. And you are welcome. <laughs> Look, I think uh, if she is sitting yeah, on the bed and he does a handstand, his his dick would be at about face level. I don't know what that would do for either of them, though. It, it could yeah. be 69, you know? People are flexible. Yeah, that's true. How long are his arms? <laughs> Bill, what have you wrought? <laughs> yeah, I, I have done my service. Good day. <laughs> Bill's just can out. We, He's like, good. They're going to talk about this for a while. Can I we am, talk about the movie set that she's on? Because this film that she is doing is amazing. It's yes. like, it's weird that we're talking about Dario Argento because it feels like it's a giallo oh, totally. movie, you know, with the bright colors and the nonsense and the guy. Who's got a but cape no, that has a sleeve? But no murder on the couch because they really like that couch. <laughs> I am um, just I so to, to to bring my thoughts into this in a general way. This is my great shame. I'm pretty sure this is the only Pedro Almodovar film I've ever seen. Really? And I finished oh, wow. watching it 40 minutes ago. <laughs> so Interesting. I've been I've been sleeping on this guy. I uh, I have no excuse. Um. It's it's one of those weird things. I uh I just never did. And every time one of his movies would come out, I'd be like, oh, this is that guy that literally everyone loves. And yet I just never made the time for it. Uh, but I'm going to have to because I, I quite enjoyed this movie. But I never having seen one of his movies and knowing that everyone's like, he's a brand, you know, it's like, oh, the new Almodovar is out. Can't sure. wait to see what Pedro's done. I was like, OK, so. I wonder what his style's like. You know, I know that, you know, there's usually a little bit of like sex and stuff and men and women and a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, again, I had never seen one before. And so I never really took part oh in the discourse. God. I and- totally I feel like as soon as this podcast is over, you need to watch Matador, which is one of my favorites. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to take suggestions. I will write them down. Um, Matt. Matador also does not make much sense, but it's awesome. And that's I mean, kind of what I just... felt in this movie. I was like, I think this is a real dream logic kind of guy. I feel like it's all about tone and 
color and you just kind of have to give into it which i was able to do and i really enjoyed this movie but i was also curious because for a while it really felt like we were doing an altman kind of thing you know because we have guy released from psychiatric hospital who apparently a judge was just like yeah you can leave i don't care and the the woman in charge of the hospital is like oh god you know this here's like just a thousand bucks for all of the passion that you gave me (laughs) And she goes to the window and like opens it and is like, you know, I thought I told you to leave. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to say thanks. And apparently they bone again. She's crying as well. It's just like a real. I mean, the hottest man that she has ever known is about to leave. I would also be crying. This is true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. And then we cut to the movie set and it's, you know, the former porn actress who's now doing like a legit movie. Oh, yeah, because there's this, uh, there's that, uh, journalist who's, like, asking about the porn, and then the director's like, excuse me, you will not use those words on my set. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, okay, and then, but weird, so it's also weird, because the actress apparently knows the dude, or the, the journalist knows the dude who's playing the killer, and is like, Oswaldo, don't you remember me? And I was like, oh, man, there's so many threads that I'm gonna have to track through this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's just not true at all uh because eventually it all just pairs down to antonio banderas yeah there are a lot of threads there's all this like hinting at the larger world but like ultimately the world just keeps on getting smaller and the movie just becomes this very <laughs> basic plot line somebody described it as on letterboxd somebody described it as a, a john hughes plot which i was like how what what i mean i guess you don't remember when ducky Totally kidnapped Ringwald. I mean, 16 Candles had some fucked up shit. Let's be honest. It's true. I mean, I think that in a weird way, actually, now that I've said that, I can kind of see it. Because he's like the quintessential nice guy, but with all of the layers that would usually make him like the nice guy stripped away so that he's just doing what his base impulses are. Yeah. So, like, instead of being like, I'm going to carry her books, I'm going to listen to her talk about guys, and one day she's going to realize that I've always been there. He's like, I'm going to cut all that shit. I'm going to fucking kidnap her, going to tell her that I'm going to have her children and be a great dad, and she's going to have to realize that that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. So, so, yeah, it's like John Hughes, but, like, with all the pretensions dropped, all the niceness (laughs) stripped away, but somehow just as cute and schmaltzy. Yeah, it's a very cute and schmaltzy movie. Considering that, like, okay, this movie once again, there's like a there's like a dude in like a like a phantom like <laughs> suit that's just like hopping through the window to get her. I kind of wish we had seen the finished product of this film, <laughs> especially because we have this very intense like director that's like my film, my film. He's so serious about it, and I'm just like, how? Why? Why are you so serious about this movie? <laughs> and there's there's that moment when he's actually watching an earlier film from um uh, from Victoria Abril's character from marina it's like a pornographic film and he's watching it for like research or something and his wife comes in and is like do you need anything like like there like there's such a a, like that seriousness you guys are talking about like it's threaded through the entire film but it's also it's so ridiculous because the character had a the director had a stroke which is why he's now in a, a motorized wheelchair so so there's with fucking blinkers on it god damn it that thing was driving me fucking insane he's 
He clearly has not been or had a stroke for very long because he keeps rolling over people's feet and like doing the sixties. You cannot control his fucking like vehicle, but it, it drove me crazy because I didn't understand what those little things are in front of his his chair, and then I realized they were rear view mirrors that he never fucking uses. And I was like, "What the fuck is this asshole doing? Like he's got blinkers on his car." And then, like, throughout the film, sometimes he uses them, and sometimes he doesn't. And I'm just like, what, what are you doing right now? And it's weird, because, like, again, I, I was really, like, bracing for, like, all of this stuff to to mean something. So he's like... You thought it was going to be crash. <laughs> I'm going to change the ending of the movie so that she saves herself, you know, and I, I'm going to save her through that. And I was like, okay, I wonder how that's going to play into this kidnapping plotline. And it kind of doesn't i'm sure that like i could write it that way but i'm not sure that that's the intent of where everything goes uh as jordan said at some point it just kind of narrows in and is like let's watch these two hot people (laughs) but i I think yeah i think what's really interesting about it though is that like the moments when their romance and big scare quotes (laughs) progresses is like there's such impulsive moments like they're they're entirely like they're not about like their past or their um like that like Altman-esque like backstories you're talking about, Brian. Like like the ways like I, I think for instance about how she starts to like when she's starting to develop really strong feelings for him after he's beaten up by this uh drug dealer <laughs> on a scooter. Um and and her, her like gang after say he that, had previously you, stolen you can't, you can't just skip over that we gotta touch on that just a little bit <laughs> no all right? sure but i just want to i i'm just yeah. I, i'm mentioning that now because i think i think that's what is ultimately so interesting about Almodovar is you know he is transgressive but he doesn't ever feel like an edgelord to me like he constantly feels like even as his scenarios get more and more bizarre even as the characters are stretched further and further out of reality he still has deep empathy for whatever they're going through whether it's a whether it's a romance whether it's trying to finish a film um go ahead yeah like it's all those details that i think like have made his his film so eternal and like to bring it back specifically to this one is why he gets away with some pretty insane. Uh, he kind of reminds me of David Lynch in that way, where he like creates oh, yeah. like, these these characters, these really like heightened characters, but he takes them really seriously and yes. has empathy for them. Well, one thing one thing that I found really interesting the romance ang- angle. Um, this film quickly, like when he gets back, he's beaten up and she kind of takes care of him. And then they start to passionately kiss. And then it like jumps to a sex scene. And I was like, Oh, so this is in his head. Right. And (laughs) then she is like commanding him on what to do. Like specifically, like don't come right now. Like, I don't want you to pull out. And like all of these very specific actions that I was just like, Oh, oh no, this is very much from her perspective. Like, this is definitely, like, ha- actually happening. Like, this is not something that I think Antonio's character would be like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm into. <laughs> no, it would just be, like, you know, something completely different. And so when I, I started to realize that, 
oh, this is this is not your typical like dream scenario of like sex with this woman that he's he's cherished. Like she's actually taking a lot of command and like, you know, being very vocal about what she wants. And then I was like, hold on. This feels weird. And then they jump to them like having breakfast and she's like, you're a pretty good lover. I guess you you benefited from all that time at that mental institution or something like that. And I was like, I was like, what? And then I was like, I was like, hold on. You just treated him like a fucking dildo. You were like, don't come, don't pull out of me. Like, I want you to do this and this and this. And I was just like, she like there was I don't know I what was, he I did. I was loving it. Uh, loving that scene. I was what? just like, I don't understand what she thinks he's a good lover because <laughs> like, she was just like, I want you to do this. I want you to I do mean, this. Okay. He's hot. He knows how to take an order. Okay, like, here's what, it, yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Like, yeah. you know, part of being a good lover is being able to follow instructions. <laughs> I will say that. Is this just an entire podcast full of doms right now? Do we not have a single sub on here? (laughs) No comment. Uh oh. She was honestly just glad that he wasn't just gonna like jackhammer into her. Like he was, she was just like, so, "Oh my god!" Uh, like I think it was a big relief to her. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's a lot to to read into in this movie in terms of like you know he has all this power, but it's it's weird that he's like constantly going out of his way to do things for her, and he even says mm. like, "We're not gonna have sex yet." Like you know, you're not in love with me yet. Like we gotta. <laughs> There's a process to this. <laughs> and um, when it finally happens, she realizes that, like, yeah, this guy actually has a level of devotion to her and that she can make demands that perhaps she has not felt comfortable making previously. And um, yeah. it's weird because <laughs> he's literally yep. kidnapped her. Yep. Yep. But uh, but it works. And she's like, you know, uh, like, I finally remember having sex with you like a year ago. Because, um, yeah, that's what I wanted. That's what I needed. Honestly, their sex scene, amazing. Especially with the uh, the, the mirrors. Oh, man. Yes. Love it. There's a lot of... Diploma shots. There's a lot of angles. De Palma is another big uh, influence in this, I feel. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of angles in that sex scene that I feel like I haven't really seen. <laughs> there's one that's like just shooting right down the middle of where their are two bodies the are connected yes. or yes. something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where that camera was. Like that was, that was a very interesting like angle. Like they definitely had to move that bed at some point. Yeah. They flipped it around to the side to give room for the camera to shoot through the headboard down between the middle of their two bodies. And I was just like, wow, this is, I don't what think a, this is, it, it didn't feel like sexy to sex me, scene. but it was like, Oh, it didn't feel sexy to. Oh, well, okay. Well, agreed. Yeah, I feel, right. Well, the the, <laughs> the the pure aesthetics of it did not feel particularly sexy, but I found the kind of uh, like impassioned connection to be sexy, if that makes sense. And I think yeah. that having those like slightly off-putting, alienating angles helps to better show that it's about more than just you know getting getting your rocks off. But I, I think it's I think it's really fascinating to to just get into that romance a, a little bit is like 
it, there's a weird like codependency between them. Like when you think about how much of the movie is devoted to just him trying to treat her toothache, you know, first. Oh, yeah. And it's also kind of like insinuated that she has like a drug problem, but it's like, yes. it's very hard to tell like what part of it is the tooth? Like is the, I couldn't tell if the tooth was like, like a, like, a result of the drug problem or she created the drug, the drug problem came from the toothache. Like I didn't really know <laughs> how any of that was working. And I don't really think that the movie cared that much. And I mean, only really the sister talks about it. The sister. Sure. Yeah, the, the journalist calls her a junkie and the director's like, you're not going to use that word or the word porno. So back off. And she, they go to this doctor. Cause she's like, this sure. is the woman who got me clean. She'll tell me what I can actually have. And she's that doctor, so quick to write a prescription. Yeah, she's like, I don't know, here, you know, you could get hooked on these, but just don't. Um, do you want to drag this joint? All right. So who who was thinking that that was going to turn into a threesome really quick? <laughs> Jesus. I, um, I, I was curious. Okay, so again, not knowing how this movie was going to go, yikes. I was like, I feel as though this is moving towards them getting together. And I yes. wonder how that's going to go. And I legitimately thought there would be a moment where he slowly started to like in collateral <laughs> i thought that he would be the vincent that kind of helps her to navigate her life and people who don't know what the real relationship is would be like oh this guy seems pretty awesome <laughs> um that's not what happened the doctor is very strange though and she was clearly into him which antonio banderas you know I, I have to say, Jordan, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, there are other Almodovar films that would, would just, like, erupt into a threesome. <laughs> like, it's not, that's not super out of the realm of possibility. No, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, it's, it's my fault, obviously. <laughs> But I do, I do think that it's weird that he's just, I mean, I mean, this entire scenario is weird, but specifically Antonio Banderas' character being like, we're going to get married, I'm going to be a father to your children, and I'm going to be a great father, and you just have to understand, I'm just like, <laughs> like, I can't imagine a guy talking like that, like, that's a mystery guy to me. <laughs> Like you, I'm in, now. Here's like, a question. Like, like I'm engaged, and like my like not even the person that I'm getting married to is like I'm going to be the father of your children. I will say that um, that that was a conversation that I had with my wife <laughs> because it was one of those things where it's like, do you want to have children? It's like, yeah. It's like, okay, great. Was I she tied you... up at the time? Now, now, Bill. <laughs> Oh. Not during the first one, no. Um, <laughs> this is the this is the episode that kills us all, right? <laughs> this is the episode where, no, like, I'm just saying, like, I don't know, like, it, maybe this is like a weird, <laughs> weird digression. But I'm just, I just rarely ever see guys that are just like, man, I just really would like a child. I want to have a child right well, now. Let's I do think it. That we're, I think that it's a um. A strange thing about our times where I know that many of the women in my life are like actively they don't want to have children. And so like it it becomes a thing where it's like the second that you say you want to have kids, you've just like destroyed any chance you have of any romance with anyone. So like I have I have like ruined I've killed. This is a terrible analogy to use for this particular moment. I have killed relationships in the crib. <laughs> by <laughs> 
by saying that I want to have children. Oh my, you are like, I honestly, you're the only guy that I've ever spoken to that's like, yes, me, would like to have children. Yes. No, I've like, since, since I myself was a child, I was like, you know, it would be great being a dad. And like, there was a moment in high school where I was like, maybe I should enter the priesthood. And then I was like, but you know, giving up the opportunity to be a father seems to be like neglecting what what I actually like my passion is like I was I was 22 and I realized that I didn't have a baseball glove and I was like how am I ever gonna like have a catch with my children if I don't have a baseball glove so I bought oh a baseball my glove God. so that I would have and, it and ready Chad whenever the I started playing <laughs> <laughs> and um I... <laughs> and like yeah I I have a child now and like when people say like what are you doing this weekend? Like, do you have to babysit Cora? And I was like, first of all, that's my fucking child. It's not babysitting. You know, it's like when I say like, I'm not doing anything this weekend, I'm just, I'm with my daughter. Like, that's a good thing. Like, I'm happy about that. Like, I love having her and I I would like more. So, you know, it's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Fantastic. So glad to hear it. And yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's weird because again, like I have other male friends who are like, you know, I want children, but you know, the girl I'm dating doesn't. So I guess I'm not going to have them. And I'm like, well, why don't you find someone who wants to have children? No. Yeah. And they I were just that's like, what you should do. And they, but they were just like, there are none. And I'm wondering if it's because I live in DC. I'm like, maybe you need to move to Kansas. To um, find maybe need, I'm from Georgia, and there are women just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a cities, baby. There was a girl um, after college who I knew from Houston, and we were talking, and it was like, oh, you know, I had a thing for you in high school. Oh, that's crazy. I had a thing for you in high school, and then we we like started a nascent sort of growing romance with the possibility of like you know actually doing something and there came a point when i was like i just need to let you know that i want to have children she was like i want to have children so goddamn badly and i was like that's the hottest thing i've ever heard oh my god (laughs) so for people who want kids like you know i a lot of my friends are like uh you know but i want to travel the world and i just always hear that and i'm like you're never going to be able to do that anyway <laughs> no, I agree. I don't know what what does travel the world mean. Just pick a goal, pick one country, <laughs> the world. What are we talking about? I um, I had a I had a friend who I was talking to her once at lunch at work, and I was like, you know, I'm like 25 or something right now, and I just I want to have children soon, and she's like. Uh, I just, you know, I'm, I need to, I need to not have, like, I need, I have plans. I want to travel the world. I was like, I know how much you make. It's never going to happen. You need to scale down. You need to say you want to travel to Tampa or Yikes. something. Okay? <laughs> you need to go to Harry Potter world. Like you, you, you're one of those people who's like, well, you know, I had kids, so I never got to live in Paris. And it's like, you can't live in Paris because you have no marketable skills and you don't speak French. <laughs> Stop blaming your child. That was this? never in the cards for you. But when Is you don't have dragon? children, the world <laughs> is wide open and you're like, I don't know, I'm 67 and I'm still making $40,000 a year, but uh, one of these years I'm going to Brazil. Wow, drag them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't talk to them anymore. It's uh, fine. So go, go to Epcot and travel the world there. <laughs> what just happened? I don't know. We, we started we started talking this about children fault. and I just went off on people. I did. Um, but yeah, this this movie is really weird because like the so rom- <laughs> this the romantic c- scenario that it presents is this 
it's really just like very like a small part of a relationship, a small but intense part, because essentially they're just like kind of like taking care of each other for a couple days. And it's just like, cool, but do you know how to have fun together? I was worried about that for them. Yeah, like, can you go in flamenco dance or something? It's um, It was actually interesting to me watching it because the end of the movie kind of bears that out. Like, they've had this intense moment together and then she comes and finds him even after she's been rescued and he's in the car singing with her sister and she just like every once in a while starts mouthing the words and then is like "Mm, this doesn't feel right no i'm not gonna do it and so i don't think they do know how to have fun together i think (laughs) she needs him to tie her to a bed yeah i mean it seems like a yeah the ending kind of suggests to me (laughs) like i kind of wanted him to fuck the sister at the end (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's the oh, she's the only one that like sh- she has a little there's a little fight in her i don't know like i feel like they'd have something to talk about where i feel like this woman who was making me think about rosanna arquette the entire time it's like this is this is the spanish rosanna arquette um is just she she seems very sad in a way that i I'm not sure that I feel like he might get irritated by over time. Like, I don't know if this is a relationship that's going to last. She seems like she needs like a therapist, (laughs) not just like a hot man who like, I guess has given up on having a therapist. I would say that he needs one, but there's no way that he's getting one. I think that everything you just said could be like put on a picture of a placid lake and then posted to one of my friend's Facebook pages. (laughs) (laughs) You need a therapist, not a hot man who's given up on therapy. Like, yeah. Because, like, I don't know what their chemistry is. Also, something that I've noticed in our mode of our films, I noticed this in Pain and Glory, too, where there's always, like, black drug dealers are in these movies. I always see them, and I'm just like, I always forget that black people are in these countries that they're in, like, whether they're, like, Argentina or Spain or whatever, and then you see the black people, but it's, like, always, like, when someone's looking for drugs, (laughs) and I just, I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything there was about that woman as well that uh, Michael referred back to as the drug dealer on a scooter. <laughs> Rossi Del Palma, who's in like a bunch of his films. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The scooter drug dealer lady. Love her. I thought that she was great. <laughs> but, I, I yeah. love that. I love that he is so bold and just doesn't know how not to like yell and and outright like say what he wants that he chases her down and is like do you have this drug and she's like whoa 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 first let's not say that out loud (laughs) (laughs) he walks (laughs) he walks up to the drug dealers in the plaza and is like hey i need some heroin and they're like i don't have any but if i did how much would you want (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) he just walks up to people he's like that in pain and glory too he just like walks up to drug dealers it's so strange to me well I mean, look, if you're not watching Succession, then I guess, uh, you know, you have to live in a different world where uh, heroin and drugs of your choice are very easy to find and exactly what you actually pay for instead of, uh, there was, you know, um, There was a, a bus that coat. happened called, like, what was it, Doug's Candy Store in New York? And it was literally, like, three guys who made a living delivering drugs to really rich people. <laughs> um. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but like, yeah, you could do that. Or you do have to like 
you know, scuff the streets and walk up to a guy and be like, hey, does anyone know where like a party is at? Mm-hmm. And then just hope you get pointed at the right guy. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I had, like... I had I've been a part of a heroin deal and I was not a fan of it. So <laughs> <laughs> what? Michael Bill, have I told this story before? <laughs> I, I I think I've heard this one. <laughs> so this is funny. Like we start talking about sex, I'm immediately like, I don't know if we could tell this story, but like, here, let me tell you about the time that I was sort of was part of a felony. Um, <laughs> I went to I went to um, Charleston let's, with a friend of mine. Let's be careful with how how specific we get. <laughs> so we went to 1421 North 28th Street. Yeah. <laughs> we went to Charleston. A friend of mine was there. He's he's a heroin addict. Was a heroin addict. I don't know what he's doing. Um. Reach out to me, man. So he was like, hey, I got to go see a guy. And all my friends smoked weed. I did not, but I did not judge. And so I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll go with you to see this guy. And my other friend was like, I too will come to see this guy. So we think we're just picking up like a gram or something. (laughs) And instead, it turns out that my friend, you know, before we left the D.C. Baltimore area to go to Charleston, had picked up a small brick of heroin to sell to this man in Charleston for a large amount of money. And, um, you know, it wasn't great. I, I was, I did not feel comfortable during most of it because I was not made aware of what we were Wait, going were to do. Were you the muscle? What was the, why I, did you go along? I was, this is the thing. So like in movies, you know, a guy opens the door and is like, you got the stuff. And it's like, yeah. And then the guy's like, who's that? I don't trust him. Make him lift his shirt. And this guy <laughs> invites us in, says it's really nice to meet us, asks us if we want a vitamin water because he has two or three pallets of vitamin water under his bed. <laughs> and his room is covered in Star Trek stuff. And um, was, oh, I was, I was like, oh, this, this guy seems pretty sense. nice. He seems pretty nice. And he just snorts a little bit of heroin. And he's like, this is good. Here's your money. Do you want to tie off? And I was like, no, thanks. I'm okay. <laughs> and then he uh, he said, all right. And then he and his, his he and my other friend were like talking. And I was like, can I smoke a cigarette? And he's like, oh, not in here. Like, I keep, I keep a clean house. And I was like, so can I go out on your porch and smoke a cigarette? He's like, yeah, no problem. Again. Most chill dude on a earth. Clean house. <laughs> and my friend and I just my the non drug dealing friend of mine walks out with me and he's like, "This is a little fucked up, right?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm not comfortable with this in the least. We need to get out of here." And then we went and had chicken wings. Well, that's a lovely story. Yeah, yeah. My time in Charleston was like three lifetimes worth of nonsense. I think that's the moment that I was like, "I'm done. I'm ready to grow up. Give me a child." <laughs> And not That's a child fake. made out of a brick of cocaine. Right. You know, a real child, not like a, a <laughs> doll that you smuggle the heroin in. <laughs> okay. So have any of y'all seen Pain and Glory? I have not. Not, no. not yet. I, I was going to go today yet. and then Uh-oh. I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I saw it. Um, I saw it at the New York Film Festival. Um, it's very, it's very good. Made me cry. But also a lot of things make me cry. I saw Dolomite is my name last night and that made me cry. Um, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Also, you, you okay? You going through stuff? I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> um, but Pain and Glory is really interesting because, like, it's, you know, it's kind of autobiographical and it's, like, about a director. It's ba- it's very... Antonio Banderas isn't playing Al Motivar, but he isn't not playing Al Motivar. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and he's a heroin addict in that, isn't he? He's Yes, he's a heroin addict in that. Um, 
Yeah, and then there are scenes. Well, he the thing he gets addicted to heroin during the movie. Uh, <laughs> and it, yeah, no, I mean it's it's not really about that. It's kind of just like about like I don't know. It's kind of about how weird Almodovar is. Kind of how weird like all of his stuff like, and it made me think about how horny this movie is. But then like trying to figure out like what is time me up time me down horny for specifically <laughs> what is what is this what is satisfying about this relationship and i really don't know do you guys know <laughs> i think he he clearly is just obsessed with her so any any situation that gets him with her works for him um as for what she wants it's a little harder to tell she clearly has this sense of being an object of desire for people. And I don't, I I think that if there is a failing to this movie, it's not letting us into the characters enough. He clear, you know, he's been in a psychiatric hospital and apparently gave good dick to everyone in there. Um, <laughs> and she is a former junkie and porn star who's now trying to go straight. And I just feel like we don't get enough of a sense beyond those two things of her, you know, probably having like a, a life that required her to give so much of herself that now she's happy to be having things gotten for her. Like, I just don't think there's enough there to to really present that read as something that's true. I feel like that ending as well works on a more allegorical level than any kind of real character level <clears throat> in the sense that like, you know, it goes along with this uh, this idea this like overarching idea that being in love is its own form of insanity and you know like that this relationship is, is built on you know false foundations but like as as you guys are kind of alluding to is it, it's like you can't there's not really any clarity or even like something where you could go in two different directions and trying to understand why these characters are drawn to each other. It's more just like this, you know, um, this like undeniable magnetism that draws them together. And this like just bizarre Stockholm syndrome situation. So that, that, that is one thing as well, Brian, that I think, is why this feels like lesser to me than a lot of other Almodovar I've seen. Yeah. I think this is this, like for me, this being my first, I can definitely feel like, okay. I think I would like a lot of his stuff a lot. I think that this one is a lesser, but I it see, feels minor to you. Yeah, it does. It, it, it's it almost, basically like a play. Like it's just a very, you know, like low concept thing. Sure. That like an like kind of like an exercise. And I mean, like, there's also just the idea that it doesn't entirely lean into, you know, what could what could make it like really crazy. Like it seems like this. It seems like she likes being tied up but we don't really uh <laughs> we don't really get much further with that like it seems like this is something that she has been waiting to happen to her right and, it, it's almost yeah. like <clears throat> there's like and that's what i was saying about like if you if you were to delve a little deeper into that like clearly she's lived a life where there have been very few limits placed on her and so maybe she likes the idea of being limited through some form of bondage but for his 
as like the, the the her sister even says at some point like you can't have fallen in love with him because he tied you up you're not that kinky like it's <laughs> the movie felt weirdly sexless up until the point where they had sex you know like at which That's point true. yeah it was a lot of sex yeah. um like their whole thing never struck me as being an erotic experience which is is fine if that's if that's what it was going for but it makes their eventual joining a little stranger to me he was very dad-like to her maybe she wants a daddy yeah (laughs) so so a a couple of things so i'm i'm reading here a moldavar mentions like what what his idea of this film was and he's basically saying that his idea was so, quote unquote, uh, is essentially a love story or rather a story of how someone attempts to construct a love story in the same way as he might study for a degree by means of effort, willpower and persistence. <laughs> and uh, he also something else that's uh, interesting to note is I don't know if y'all noticed the the actual title in Spanish is a little bit different than the English title. So, Atame. Um, I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's highly likely that I am not. Uh, but that just literally means tie me up. And there is no tie me down in the actual Spanish title. Uh, but the English title adds that tie me down. So it's interesting that that is an addition through the English title because it, it kind of suggests, um, you know, a little bit more, of a of a give and take in a way and maybe even something that lasts a little bit longer um and which you know the original spanish title doesn't have at all um and spoiler alert in the title is what you're saying (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah for sure first tie me Um, up and then tie me down into a marriage yes now i am i i googled the the translation and it says that otome is just tie me so i wonder if there was like a fight about if it means tie me up or tie me down, like what the literal translation was. And they're like, fuck it, let's just do both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Like I, if you I, were to tell someone like hit me later, you know, you could either mean punch me in the face or like give me a ring on my cell. <laughs> and so that, the title of that movie, which in America would have been hit me later, is now either text me or punch me in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be a, a a good transition to into the part of the controversy. Like uh, this, this got pretty mixed polarized reviews at yep. the time when it came out. And it, in part specifically, people had such a problem that he knocks her out in that first encounter where he I, I goes up to that. her apartment. I love that he's not successful at first. He headbutts her and then falls on the floor and is like, oh, fuck me. That hurt a lot. She's like, what the hell are you doing, asshole? And then she and then he punches her. <laughs> it was just like and like for the rest of the film, he's he's got that little divot on his head and like sure. that little that little like uh what is it, the little plus sign of, of just blood. And I was just like, this is hilarious. They're like full on going for it. Cause when she wakes up, her face is just a little bit swollen and a little bit red, but mm. his face is also a little bit swollen and a little bit red. And it's just like, yeah, we both made mistakes today. <laughs> <laughs> that is a generous. <laughs> we both made mistakes today. I love it. 
I'm curious, what it, did you were you guys uncomfortable with that scene, or, or was there? I, I, did he you guys have any reaction for it? to and so <laughs> some of the violence in here? Um, uh, is it bad if I say no? Like, does that no, make me seem like a bad not. human being? No, oh, I, I think it's interesting that he actually like immediately apologizes for it. Not, not like when he hits her, because obviously she like passes out shortly thereafter. But like when she wakes up, he's like, uh, no, he doesn't exactly apologize for it. He says, you made me punch you. I think is is sure. the line, which is. Which is kind of putting it on. It's a little her, abusive. Which, yeah, that's yeah. a little abusive. <laughs> let's, let's be clear about this movie. I think but there's a gray seem, area where that could be seen as not great. <laughs> he does seem like sad about the situation. I mean, okay, like I, I mean, he he is an abuser. Like it's weird because yeah. like. I'm not gonna, I didn't want to, like, divulge into this whole, like, no, oh my god, movie, movie shows bad man, movie, <laughs> movie <laughs> encourage bad man do bad thing, because, I mean, who, this is a fucking old movie, who cares? Um, <laughs> it's been litigated by this I, like, somebody's already done it, like, I feel like it would be presumptuous for me as a 27-year-old person to assume that there wasn't somebody, you know, with this movie that was made before I was fucking born that mentioned that, uh, First know? of all, clearly, you, you aren't, like, I mean, that's, like, half the content that gets published on, like, Mike.com or some <laughs> bullshit. It's, like, this 17-year-old just watched Friends, and boy, is that show not woke. It's just, like, I don't know. That shit's so that shit's so weird to me. Like Rick from <laughs> Casablanca is not a hero. He slaps Ilsa. <laughs> How can we? S- so what if he stands up to the Nazis? This man is a misogynist woman beater. Oh and it's just my like- god! Now, as soon as you said that, it made me think of that that hot, <laughs> that hot take about Miss Piggy being an abuser. <laughs> Wait a second! Is Jesus that real? Christ. <laughs> <clears throat> Truly the funniest thing on the internet. <laughs> I'm looking it up now. I need this. Oh my god, no, because it was like there was the new Muppet show, and like it was the one where it's like they're adults, and then Kermit like gets with another pig, and everybody's what? like and Piggy and Kermit are broken up, and then this dude wrote a response, and the response was that this piggy is an abuser. I have I have <laughs> found it. It is on the New Republic. And the headline is, Kermit has a new girlfriend. Also, this is one very sexualized pig. They have a picture of her. She's got, like, almond-shaped eyes with giant lashes and, like, a bedroom smile. Anyway, it says... Okay, so this is Lola Bunny. Yeah, seemingly. So it's, Kermit has a new girlfriend? Good. His last one was a domestic abuser. (laughs) Miss Piggy regularly beat him up, and everyone thought it was funny. Not anymore. This is by Noah Berlatsky. Oh my god, I was gonna guess Noah Berlatsky. I was about to say, Michael, haven't we recently had a conversation about this man's takes? Maybe. I can't remember. (laughs) I truly, like, it's it's one of those things where... (laughs) I mean, like... That's the thing, like, if we're talking about a movie like Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, it's like, calling it problematic doesn't, like, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be said because that's the premise of the film. (laughs) But I think, duh. 
the one <laughs> exception I take with I I agree. Like I'm not in any way trying to relitigate this. So I hope that's not what it sounds like. But okay. I do nonetheless find it interesting that like for a time period when people weren't pointing out things like this and when there was like there was so much misogynist shit just everywhere. Yeah, no, like, I mean it was. That's true. <laughs> so like for this thing to be enough to like get a new ratings category anti-17 for i mean it's probably it seems like it's more for the sex scene and the fucking diver going into her vagina yeah they <laughs> apparently it was all about the sex they did not give a shit that he punched her in the face but yeah i i i love the setup of that sequence because when they show the diver and i realized it was in a bathtub i was like oh i know where this is going and then it happened i was like wow that was a that was a wild guess, but okay. I go. thought so. This the thing about the thing that drives me crazy about the diver is not that it went into her in her vagina, but be, but that it is like so clearly not clear. Like that's the kind of thing that gives you a yeast infection. Like that thing going like straight. <laughs> this is why representation is so important in podcasting because I don't think that I ever would have thought to say the issue with the diver scene is that she's going to get a yeast infection. Yes. This is great. Yeah, she but does not right. wash that thing in, in the dishwasher afterwards. She yeah. needs to go uh, use the bathroom immediately after. Oh, that's another thing that they had issues with yeah, in this urinating. movie was the urinating. Too many what? scenes of women on toilets. Yes, yeah, that's part of the reason it got an NC-17 rating. Oh, was... Jesus, they don't even show anything. Bill, yeah, you sound upset about that. We um, can't know that no. women go to the bathroom. It's not... That's wild. That's no. a, didn't Jonathan Swift write a whole poem about that? I don't know. I, wow. I don't that's know. We're for review. <laughs> so Jonathan Swift has this whole poem that I think is like... Yeah, I think it's ladies dressing room and it's about like a guy who breaks into his like beloved's room. Oh, wait, I have read this. Yes, yes. Yeah. And he's like looking around because he's like, oh, my beloved, my like blameless Cecilia. And he's like trying to find some stuff just to like remember her. And he's like, ew, like there's like dandruff and hair on her combs and like all this weird shit. And then he finds her like bedpan. Her like mm. chamber pot. And there's literally, I just looked it up. <laughs> he, there's a line where he says, oh, Celia, Celia, Celia shits. <laughs> like he's really oh, upset geez. that he's discovered that she is in fact a biological human being who needs to expel waste. It's so unfortunate that he finds her poopery. <laughs> God damn it, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> so that's so that's yeah. just to get us back on track to what Michael was talking about. It is funny that like there is there there have been movies where people are like decapitated and destroyed and everything's fine, but this movie's like oh these two people have like I hesitate to call it fully consensual, but like <laughs> you know a seemingly mutually pleasurable sexual encounter. Is that does that work? That, yes, I, I would say it's mutually pleasurable. Okay, great. Yeah, so true. we'll skirt the question of consent and just go to the the end game, which is they both come and you know. But the fact that that happens and that you see two women using the bathroom, the MPA is like, well, this is clearly pornography. No, I've written an entire essay about this on Bitch Media. If you're ever interested in reading it, where I I talk about the 
the depiction of the female orgasm on screen and also the way that the basically about how the MPAA's ratings are basically uh, mostly based on conservative parents and how they oh, feel yes. about things. Like yeah. that's most conservative Christian. Yes. Very yeah. Much. Yeah. So the piece is called her neck, her back, the past and future of women's orgasms on screen. And it kind of talks about like what is allowed, what isn't allowed, how silly it is. And historically, and I'm surprised that I didn't bring up this movie in the piece, but I didn't, but to be fair, I did not know that it existed when I wrote the piece. <laughs> Um, but I would love to do an update where I talk about this, but yeah, the MPAA is kind of like, it hates like pubic hair. It hates anything. Like it hates vaginas. It hates dick too, but it really, really hates vaginas. Erect dicks. We'll we'll be very specific. Yeah. It it hates erect dicks. Yes. Right. It hates, it hates the concept of pleasure or arousal. Cause like Mm -hmm. Meg Ryan fakes an orgasm. That's fine. But if she was yep. actually having one, my word. <laughs> you know, word. you see a cock, it's fine, it's limp, it's not threatening. Man, the second you get some blood in that thing, you got an X rating. I, I'm not sure. I I, I want to check this now, but I think the next NC-17 film that Almodovar gets is Bad Education. With oh, the, I, I still haven't seen that one. The, that, one's, that one's pretty great. It's also pretty hot. <laughs> um. Just like that Tie one, Me Up, Tie Me Down, huh, Mike? I I will say that it is not at all in the same register of uh, kookiness. Let's let's put it that way. I think you could okay. you could probably call this movie bad education, right? <laughs> because sure, because you said it's like getting a degree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, t- you tie someone up, teach them to love you. That's a bad education. Anyway, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just curious. I mean, do you guys have any? Not litigating this, but any general thoughts about any of that stuff, or is it really just they hate naked women? Well, it's that I um <clears throat> I think about this sometime. I remember when I first started getting into movies, like in a real, real way, where I would like go back and watch stuff that was like not Top Gun, you know. And um, <laughs> I remember like being scared to watch Taxi Driver because really? you, you hear the stories about that, and you're like, oh, it almost got an X rating because it's so fucking extreme. <laughs> and then I watched it and I was like, this doesn't feel that bad to me, mm-hmm. you know? And so I wonder how much of it is is the time and how much we've been desensitized. But watching this movie, it didn't feel particularly, like, especially bad. Like, the fact that it got an NC-17 sure. <clears throat> or created the NC-17 rating because they wanted to give it an X. It was eventually released sans any kind of uh, rating. It just felt a little crazy to me because I was like, there's not, you know... It's- I don't even think you really well it's kind well, that, of like it, it's that, kind of was like different about the times like i was i was thinking i was watching in the dolomite movie um mm-hmm. where uh uh rudy uh rudy ray moore was talking about his albums and trying to get his comedy albums sold before he made the dolomite movie and he talks about sucking cock on the album and he's talking to this record guy and he's like you can call somebody a cocksucker but you can't talk about sucking cock <laughs> <laughs> like i mean i think that that's kind of what it was then yeah Mm -hmm. i think that that's true i think i think there's there's something to be said about the fact that you're watching this and you're like i don't understand why this is such a big deal right even today like you can watch this and be like i don't see what the big problem is with this like i've definitely seen worse but 
you know, that's, that's saying something back then where, you know, as we've aged in movie making, we've also gotten a lot more lenient on like what is actually seen on screen to the point where like a lot of violence is just so normal and so desensitized. Um, but then again, like your, your whole premise of, I didn't see a whole, uh, like a big deal about this is even why a lot of people criticize the MPAA period. Right. Mm -hmm. They'll, they'll watch something like this and be like, really? Fuck, fuck guys. Like, what are y'all doing? Like, what are we doing here? Well, it's like, you know, like John Wick is rated R and, Uh um, again, like hold that up against taxi driver. It's like, what does taxi driver do that John Wick doesn't do 28 times in, in a very, jumpy spinny kind of way like you know if sure. travis bickle had a dog I, I might be a little more sympathetic towards him right if someone <laughs> killed travis bickle's dog and then yeah i think i think the other thing is 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 you know it's it's all about context as well um and certainly those two movies are very different in a contextual nature um john wick is a lot more slapsticky almost in its in its violence um Whereas Taxi Driver is is going for kind of a mood and a feeling and kind of that darker, grittier edge to it. So yeah. um, it's no but, Joker, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Uh. Um, but yeah, so that you know, th- there's something to be said about context. But certainly, if you're trying to create a rating system that relies on context then you've kind of failed because it should ultimately maybe be more about the content period instead of context. I don't know. You know, well, you, I mean you, like, you know, I mean, we're judging, we're judging and slapping a label on fucking art, which is, which <laughs> is again, it gets into a very kind of digressive, uh, you know, conversation because this art form is also extremely expensive <laughs> at times. So it's also like, Oh yeah, this art, and it's like, yeah, a lot of this stuff is also commercial. Like, you know, there's there come both, you know, with with both hands in a way. So well, that's why that's why the 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 studios were suing the MPAA over the ratings for Timey Up, Timey Down, and uh, I think Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Mm-hmm. And, um, because they can't make their money if they can't show it in a theater. Right. If they're labeled yeah. as pornography, they can't yeah. do it. So it's weird because the NC seventeen rating was chosen to help ameliorate that but people still don't want that because then you can't advertise it on tv or mass media mm-hmm. so it's and it's theaters this. won't have like billboards up for it like yeah they, right. we, we had this whole thing happen with what was it hatchet or something like that a couple of years ago maybe that was like a decade ago um it's been a little <laughs> while but uh yeah that film got got slapped with an nc-17 and they threw a fucking fit and a lot of times it's uh you know it's movies that happen to not have studio backing that the mpaa feels like they can for lack of a better term uh swing their dick around and be like no 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 you know so so this is interesting that you bring this up because um in in uh in this new york times article from may 24th 1999 um it says, in addition, the distributors for the Almodovar film say that movies produced by major Hollywood studios are less likely to receive X ratings than foreign or independently produced movies. The theory that Hollywood <laughs> films are given more leeway may be tested by two forthcoming films that include considerable sex and violence. Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas <laughs> and David Lynch's Wild at Heart, which took the top prize at the Cannes International Film Festival this week. 
So this is something that people have been talking about for like, what is that? Nearly 30 years now. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah. it's crazy. But um, yeah, this movie, you know, sort of like how people say that, uh, which one was it? Temple of Doom, like created the PG-13. Yeah. That uh, this and, film. And, and Gremlins. Which, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Gremlins. which I remember reading that because like Gremlins actually scarred me as a child. <laughs> well, Temple of Doom scarred me. They rip a fucking man's heart out of his chest and he's staring at it screaming as it lights on fire. You know? I, I still think the scariest part of Gremlins is the Santa Claus story. Like, I, yeah, I that agree. is the thing that sticks with me. <laughs> I think I think by this point we've we've divulged wildly from this film, but uh, no, I think I think still like all of this stuff is is still relevant to sure. maybe even more so Almodovar as a filmmaker. Period, because he is a bit of a provocateur, you know. I mean, um, yeah, if you've seen the, <laughs> the skin I live in, yeah. oh god, I love, I really love that movie. <laughs> but yeah, that's a that's a fucking wild ass movie. So that is a wild fucking ride. <laughs> I also watched that one twice on Criterion. <laughs> again, I saw that. You got to have your. At, uh, you got to have your banderas. I saw that at Fantastic Fest as one of their secret screenings, and uh, yeah, when when it when the what was it? I think that was yeah, that was actually my first Almodovar film, and so when uh, the the credit the opening credits rolled and people you know they announced hey we're seeing the skin i live in people went fucking bananas and i was like all right i guess uh, we're in for a fun fun movie and <laughs> by the time i got out of that i was like that was a fun movie <laughs> that was fucking crazy i am definitely because of my lack of seeing his other movies before i i only know them by like their trailers mm-hmm. And um, I remember being confused when like the, you know, things like um, the skin I live in. And then I kept seeing these and I was like, I guess this is a fairly serious guy. I guess that like he's got like his little his like other th- parts of him. Like, you know, the, what is it like? Talk to her, Volver. I just had oh, this about my mother. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had this very like set concept of what he must be like and do. And then mm-hmm. I remember sitting in a theater and seeing the trailer for I'm So Excited. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't really judge a movie based on trailers, as we've talked about many times. But if I were to, I would have been like, so did he lose his mind? <laughs> <laughs> like, is that what happened here? Like, he's this- so weird. Oh, I, I love Almodovar. He's very weird. The only movies that he's ever made that I just straight up do not like are all about my mother and talk to her. Talk to her, I feel like there's a really obvious reason why I don't like that movie. <laughs> All about my mother is, I just think, like, I mean, I think that all, all about my mother is a great way of just showing, like, how how wide-ranging his tastes are. But ultimately, mm. I think it's, like, just a man talking about things that he doesn't know about for, like, a very long run time. <laughs> <laughs> like, talk to have y'all seen Talk to Her? <laughs> I have, yes. I have not. Yeah, no. so, okay. Uh, can fine. I spoil Talk yeah, to Her? Yeah, go for it. It's an old, <laughs> sure. Uh, talk to Her uh, has a plot point where a guy, like, impregnates a woman who is in a coma. <laughs> well, that's less than ideal for everyone involved. Yeah! <laughs> there is a lot of things about consent 
all over Almodovar's films. Like, oh, this all is, over the place. This is very standard. Yeah, talk, talk to her is very cut and dry. Really, because <laughs> based on this movie that I just saw, I feel like he has a very firm handle on consent. <laughs> he does I, more so than a lot of other filmmakers. But I will yeah. say that, yeah. Well, I, I mean, also I think... He, he feels like he gets that he's pushing a boundary. You know, it's not like a, a person who's like, oh, what if like this guy like kisses this unconscious girl and falls in love with her and then she wakes up and realizes everything that he did and is happy that he was there. And it's like, eh, that's a little creepy. Like, I feel like he gets the lines he's trotting. He does, yeah. And I do think that he, in his own way, has respect for women. I think mostly he's curious about them. Which is more than I can say for a lot of male directors who just kind of just don't care what they do <laughs> and don't have any kind of like insight into what their lives. Almodovar at least tries to understand like, why would a woman do this? Why would she say this? You know, and yeah. I think there is not enough of that in this particular film, but in other films of his, there is. Right. I can feel the kind of uh, tadpole-esque beginnings of that in this movie yeah. just because the movie is so much about the way that people view her but it's also weird because again you you do keep going back to this director who's obsessed with this movie and you're just like i guess he's in love with her and then his own wife is like yeah he's just um he, he realizes that when he's done making this movie he's gonna die this is all about his and i'm like what does this have to do with literally anything in this movie Everybody has their own story, and it does not have to connect to the main story. So, Roger Ebert's review for um, Reservoir Dogs, I think the first line of it is something like, now that Quentin Tarantino has made this movie, he can go and make a better one. Mm-hmm. Like, it was the type of thing where he said, like, there is there is some stuff here, but now he, like, he can't keep on this level. Like, it feels like he's ready to, like, burst out and make a better movie. Um, and that's how I felt like watching this movie. And clearly he has like, you know, Almodovar has a passionate following and uh, I just have never been a part of it. But now that I've seen this, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I can I feel now as though there's not like a big barrier of entry for me to go see his other films. Well, this came the same year. I, I think that's right. I, it, either the year after the same year as Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, was- which was his international breakthrough. I'm sorry, Jordan. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, no, I was saying that it was like two years afterwards. And yeah, oh, two years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But he Women like, on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown is a better movie, definitely. <laughs> for sure. But I, I, part of me, like, they kind of asked which of the, these two we should do. And I was like, well, I haven't heard Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, but I've heard a lot of people have really strong feelings about it. So. That seems like a better one to do. <laughs> and I think, you know, it, like if I wanted to be just purely outraged by the fact that he hits a woman and then ties her up and then she falls in love with him and go into how that's problematic, <laughs> I'm sure I could. But I think that the movie's doing more than that. And I think sure. that, you know, if you just kind of accept that as sort of this nonsense universe, that you can you can feel the other things going on. Yeah, I agree. That's good, because what I I said could very easily have been seen as diminishing those very real problems in our world. (laughs) I I think there's something too incredible with, I I mean, this even just offers such a a glimpse of his, like, love of early Hollywood. Like, just the way the colors pop in this, like, you know, a a Cirque film. And, and like, and he's, like, I kind of love as well that, you know, 
like a lot of the big a- a- tours, you know, like for as much as he's like put up as a singular, you know, director, like a, a brand, as you were saying, Brian, like mm-hmm. he is very upfront about when he just steals things <laughs> like like. Like this, like he was like, this was absolutely based on a William Wyler movie, like, and like he's, he's like an exterminating angel. Like he is very much someone who recognizes that he's standing on the shoulders of giants, but also, you know, there's something very powerful in being able to, you know, create something that's not just dream logic, but, you know, does take these characters seriously even as their behavior is something that uh should probably be condemned even beyond any problematic measure just because as you're saying that relationship it's not gonna last well yeah no he's definitely gonna hook up with her sister (laughs) um now that he has options and you know is is learning his life you know he's he's gonna realize that sister maybe not as cute a lot more fun that last song, by the way, that they are mouthing and then singing at the end is called I Will Resist. That's yes. what it translates to in English. <laughs> I um, I played that at the beginning of this episode and yes. I shall play again at the end. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think that there's an issue and I think that this movie gets away with it. Like when we talk about and I swear to God, I'm so sorry we keep bringing this movie up. When we talk about Joker, <laughs> the movie has this gritty sheen of reality that makes it more difficult to take what might what like the director or the artist might say is it's more fable like qualities seriously what if joker was camp was more camp <laughs> yeah I think so. like, joker. <laughs> like i think that um for instance i think that like black swan is a movie that has the kind of like handheld gritty like reality but it bends it enough and it knows how to lean into it enough that it becomes if not camp then at least a little bit heightened so that you can feel the breaks in reality and enjoy it more now i think that this movie knows that it's not living a real psychological truth and is more of a you know fairy tale-esque kind of weirdness and that the colors and the external characters who are so weird help to break down your desire for it to act totally real and so that's why I don't have an issue with him like headbutting her because by that point I've already seen so much other stuff that I'm like, oh right, this isn't reality. Like a a woman who runs a psychiatric hospital would not say like I don't think you should be released um because you're still crazy but also because god damn it I love you so much. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like they <laughs> yeah. he's already broken down that and he's created that world and I think getting me to accept that so that when he hits her and then ties her up. I'm not thinking to myself, oh, my God, this is like uh, I spit on your grave, you know, is is sure. a is a big win for him. I just remembered that in film commercial as well, which is just amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so good. <laughs> why do why like why do German retirees get to dance when uh, Spanish retirees like beg for change? And then it says because the Germans started saving retirement when they were young and they are Full on Nazi. Not not even a hint of sarcasm there. Holy shit. And there was a part of me that was thinking, and I'm like, yeah, anytime that a German thinks about his parents in the 40s, they have to be shrouded in Nazi garb. (laughs) 
Oh, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyone have any uh, final thoughts on this movie? Things we haven't brought up that we would like to talk about? Hmm. If that's the case, then I want to I want to leave us with this. I, I looked I scanned quickly through some other headlines <laughs> by Noah Berlatsky. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this one is about the intern <laughs> with oh. Robert De Niro. That's a good movie. What did he say? Something bad or good? Just what America needs. A movie that celebrates unpaid work. The intern isn't funny. It's an insult to every unemployed American. Oh, God damn it. I, I don't understand him. I don't. I, I don't. It, he just like. He, he's like left leaning, but he just makes me think of like Daily Wire people. Just like, what are you talking about? I honestly don't know. Um, there are other ones, but that was the one that I thought was the funniest. It was what just is, like I want to. I, I want to. I don't want to get us off track of that, but I did want to mention that uh, I was. Uh, I'm very curious to like know if y'all realize that uh, Morricone is the guy behind the music for oh, this. Yeah. He yeah. only used half the soundtrack apparently though because he thought it was too derivative of uh, another film he worked on. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I thought I thought that was interesting that like even Almodovar and you know it, it's funny because Morricone has now become more of a I guess a, a treasured legacy more mm-hmm. than anything because of like his work with uh, Tarantino on Hateful Eight and some of this other stuff. But like, I it, it's funny to imagine that back then, while when Almodovar was still kind of coming up in the ranks, was able to land someone as kind of signature and key as as Morricone. Um, I think, yeah, I think I think people have loved Inio for for a while, you know. Yeah, and I and think that it, especially because he is European, maybe Almodovar was like you know able to just uh, throw a can with just, a string and talk to his boy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that, you know, he kind of got him. And this is like before all of the, the other people in America started to be like, you know, who's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting to see like that kind of liminal period where he is yeah. at. I do love the fact that he was like, yeah, this is a little derivative. We don't need to use this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love you. I I specifically like sought you out, but uh, mm, this is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> we so gotta, is, we gotta at some point Noah just Berlanti find all the composers who like like had an issue with their uh, their director. Like, wasn't it was it Howard who hated working with Terrence Malick? Hmm. Howard for the New World wasn't that. Was that Howard Shore? I can't remember. Who's Howard? Oh, Howard Shore. Okay. Like, who's Howard? (laughs) You know, Howard. My boy, Howard. (laughs) Anyway. Is there there a does the dog die? This is what I was trying to... Oh, you were going to... I didn't... I don't think we do that on the classic ones, but now that you've asked, I am super curious. So I will look it up briefly. I I fucking... I don't think so. Yeah, I can't imagine there is. It does not appear so. No. Yeah. All right, I guess we're ending with Noah Belatsky then. <laughs> oh, 
my, he, you know, he's going to find out about this. I know, I and know. And we're all going to be in trouble. <laughs> How much trouble could he really get us in? He's going to write a headline about he's us. He's going to write about us. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I like how I said write a headline, not not an article, because uh, that's that's pretty much all his bite is is uh, is headline. That's the thing. I will read that headline, but I will be damned if I read that whole fucking thing. Yeah, no, good good headline makes makes you want to read, does not make you actually want to read. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I just I I, I'm imagining a headline where it's just like Jordan condones abuse because she likes me up, me down. If a man is hot enough, Jordan Searles is totally fine with him beating a woman into loving her. God. Just ask That's for some kids. incel shit right just, there. Just Speaking of the Joker again. <laughs> a bunch of sexless young men who are like, sure, if I was hot, I could hit a woman. But since I'm ugly, I hit a girl and I'm in jail now. <laughs> the beautiful people that get away with everything. Oh, shit. <laughs> and now we'll end with our 15 favorite movie incels. Oh, boy. <laughs> Michael is so I, upset with me right now. I, I don't know if he does. Uh, does he do the Armin White uh, search his own name? Armin White searches his own name. Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> well, look, first of all, it's not like we publish a transcript of these things. Someone would have to listen and tell him. So maybe if I just say very politely right now, if you're still listening, please don't tell Noah Berlatsky <laughs> that we've talked so much shit about him. There's so many snitches on Twitter. We're fucked. <laughs> Especially after we hated on Joker. People are just waiting for a way to destroy us. Oh, God. Um, I, I got to listen to this Joker episode. <laughs> we hated on another culture writer on that one, but we bleeped his name out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Someone still guessed who it was. Yeah, it, that's I'm true. Not, yeah. <laughs> okay. So all this right. has been I... fun. Uh, <laughs> Jordan Searles, any final thoughts before we wrap up uh, on this on this movie? Um, if you would like to see Antonio Banderas do more problematic things <laughs> in movies, I really, really suggest Matador. That's like an earl an even earlier Almodovar that is very, very weird, but oddly like more satisfying than this movie. And I kind of want to program it um <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Ruin somebody's day with Matador. <laughs> Um, but no, like this film is very, it, it's very cute. Like this is kind of like Almodovar's version of a rom-com, honestly. If I was going to do a bad romance on an Almodovar movie, which I don't think any of his movies are bad, so it would be hard to do, I would probably do it on this movie. <laughs> so yeah, I just looked up the, uh, the, the Matador and, um, yeah, I want to watch this movie real bad now. <laughs> Um, I thought you were going to say, you know, more problematic Antonio Banderas in in the mask of Zorro. He straight up attacks a woman with a sword. <laughs> I have not seen that movie since I was a child. And I've been thinking about rewatching it. I'm not really a Zorro person, but I might rewatch. I, I um, are, are there Zorro people? I don't know. Oh, yes. People. I don't know. But I fucking loved that movie as a child. Like th this, guess, this yeah, is legitimately. That movie. What was that, Bill? People really fucking dig that movie. The movie is awesome. I mean, it's just... 
classic episode. <laughs> we okay. So wait, are we turning this into uh, Bandera's Tober? Maybe Bandtober? or uh, Martin Martin Campbell Tober and Tony October. Wait, you need to ask Jordan which which one we should do for Denzel. <laughs> so we have tw- fifteen different names for <laughs> for Denzel Washington months for our cat classic movies. Right. So including- do you think? Densruary, Denstober, <laughs> Denstember, Denzember. <laughs> Denzember is, I think, my favorite one. Denzember is also my favorite one. <laughs> that, that sounds awesome. <laughs> and the best is that it can be both November and December. So, yes, that gives yeah. you a little leeway there. All right, great. <laughs> so we'll do that. So October yeah. belongs to Antonio Banderas, and then November, December, we're back to Denzel. Yes. I am I'm actually one hundred percent serious. I wanna I wanna talk Mask of Zorro on our next classic episode. <laughs> Can we do that? We Can I will that into existence like I did with Unstoppable? Sure. <laughs> Good. Glad Why to not? Hear. <clears throat> anyway, uh, I think that's it for today. Jordan that's Searles. Dan Mecca joins if ever I've heard of one. <laughs> what was that? That is a Dan Mecca joint, if ever I've heard of one. Oh, you you got to know that he's probably got a bunch of thoughts on Mask of Zorro. <laughs> I was, wait, when did this movie come out? It came out in 1998, so I was like 11 years old. This movie mm-hmm. was formative for me. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just going to go watch that movie. So yeah, I kind of want to watch that right now. <laughs> Screw the Succession series or season finale. We're all going to go watch The Mask of Zorro. No, I'm going to watch Great British Bake Off because I got addicted to that <laughs> like 10 years late. <sighs> oh, poor, poor Michael. Um, all right. So we're it's over. We're, we're saying goodbye. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, to give to our Patreon. They're the reason that we get these classic episodes now. Go to <laughs> patreon.com slash the film stage show. One dollar an episode gets you access to our Slack channel. First crack at all of our stuff. What do they call it? Raffles. Yeah, that's it. Also, <laughs> don't forget. Christ. to go to movie.com slash film stage for a free 30-day trial of movie um you can check out dario argento's bloody october happening now as well as a bunch of other great movies including again the wonderfully named django kill if you live shoot <laughs> which is on there right now i um, wonder what that was in spanish <laughs> <laughs> I also like, I, I, had, I had made a point in my head where I was like every time I say the name of this movie I'm going to scream it <laughs> but luckily I am so tired right now no one had to live through me screaming tie me up tie me down <laughs> okay that's it uh, again it's mubi.com slash film stage for a free 30 day trial that is all for this classic episode Jordan Searles thank you for making the terrible decision to come back and talk to us again <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me and, you know, maybe, you know, if we do get written about, we can all come back. And <laughs> <laughs> what we should do is we should watch The Intern and then see if we agree with Noah Berlatsky. Is it really yeah, a terrible sure. movie for America? Sure. Oh, that's great. The Intern's Perfect. really good. <laughs> I haven't okay, seen it. Okay, I'm going to watch The Intern. Would intern. you like Nancy Myers? Yes, I do. Okay, yeah. I think Nancy's like great. Fun. Yeah. No one's hating on Wait. Nancy here. Wait, could we do a Nancy classic? We could do a Nancy classic, yeah. All right. A classic Nancy. Ooh, all right. <laughs>
Right. So Bill got Bill 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 chose a an Almodovar. I am <laughs> going up for Mask of Zorro. Martin Campbell. <laughs> yeah. Casino yeah, Royale, baby, and Goldeneye. Goldeneye, yeah. I think he also directed movies. the pilot episode of Homicide Life on the Street. Well, yeah, he's, sure he's he made did. some good shit. He's made some real fucking bad shit. He's made Green Lantern as well, unfortunately. <laughs> he, um, yeah, he's he's uh he's he's like the perfect like currently working workman director, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's let's end this, guys. <laughs> good good time. So, Jordan Seals, let's uh, tell everyone who's listening where you can be found uh, online outside of this wonderful podcast. You can find me on Twitter at J-O-U-R-D-A-Y-E-N. I'm also that on Instagram. You can find my writing on Bitch Media, OK Player, AV Club, and you can listen to my podcast, um, Bad Romance Pod. Uh, our episode on Drop Dead Fred is dropping in a couple days. <laughs> Isn't the how did this get made just release like their episode on that and it was like the most screamingest most angriest it was, podcast it was very intense it's actually what made me decide to finally cover it because they were so passionate about talking about drop dead fred um ours is much quieter our episode <laughs> <laughs> i would love it if you said we actually got very loud so much louder than how did this get made all right bill graham uh you can find me online at twitter dot or twitter.com at cable bfg i don't know what the fuck on twitter at cable bfg or twitter.com slash cable bfg yes 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 thank you (laughs) Um, you can also find me mixing it up on the Slack channel where I am failing to get us to all join in on using threads instead of just fucking commenting and just being just just vomit of the mouth. Bill's trying to start a revolution, but it's not working. Yes. What you really got to do is you got to go on Fallon and shoot him in the head. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Threading bitches. Michael Snydell. Uh, you could find me on Twitter at, at Snydell. I'll have a review of the Jay and Silent Bob movie this week for Why? some reason. I don't know. I got assigned it. Why um, did you do that? I didn't pick this. <laughs> okay, um, as soon as we get off this podcast, you need to tell me about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> oh, God, I might have to go to the theater for that one. Oh, okay. Um... Yeah, it's my anyway, favorite part uh, of any podcast is when we get to listen to Michael's soul die. <laughs> Generally, that's what happens when you have to review a movie, Mike. I don't know. I don't know how long you've been doing this, no, but I uh, didn't want to. I didn't want to go to a theater to see it, though. I, I guess I'll need to figure this out. <laughs> it is. It, it is called a movie. So, <laughs> so what? <laughs> it's not. It's not released by Netflix. <laughs> it's content, uh, Michael. It's content. Uh, yeah. Um, I I am not going to do October because I am doing Chicago International Film Festival. Uh, so you can start seeing some brief capsules from me on Letterboxd starting next week. October. Uh, what's up? What about Denstober? Denstober will no, have to Den-Zember. wait. No, it's Denzember. So oh. it's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Fantastic. Um. What about me? At Brian J. Rowan is my handle on literally every social media site that I'm on. So I'm easy to find uh, a personal site, dearfilm.net, also known as brianjrowan.com. I don't have any writing up. 
the I I decided that I did not want to add more to the Joker discourse, so I just did not do that. Good job. <laughs> um, as for where you can find more of our stuff, uh, right here on this podcast feed, you know, within the next day or two, we're gonna have up our review of Gemini Man, the newest film from Ang Lee, starring Will Smith and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. So look forward to that. Um, that's all. That's it. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us, and tune in next time. Oh, si alguna vez